1: Good morning, witches. It is January 29th, 2024. It is Monday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Weed Witches Journal. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Brave men is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Nelson Mandela. I think I just read that. You know, it's a good one. All right. So we're talking about time this week. And you're like, "Oh, like the concept of time? No, no, no. Like the herb. (laughs) I always think of like a charmed episode when I think about that. When uh, someone asked for more time and they thought it was the concept and not the herb, but time I wanted to bring up because again, we're talking about things we probably ate during the holidays and thyme is uh, actually my favorite herb, my absolute favorite. Um, it's in a lot of French dishes. It's typically accompanied with meat um, and I smell it and I am just like, this is the best thing in the world. So odds are, if you had any sort of holiday dish, especially involving meat, you probably ate quite a bit of thyme over the past months. Well, the holidays. So what is thyme? Well, thyme has a long history of use that dates back as far as 2750 BC, with Sumerian tablets suggesting that thyme be dried and pulverized with pears, figs, and water. And this is from... GaiaHerbs.com. The Egyptians used it to embalm their dead, and the Romans threw time on their floors to deter venomous creatures. The Benedictine monks added time to their elixirs for its health-supportive benefits. Both in the past and today, time has been readily used as a culinary spice in chowders, stews, sauces, and stuffings. I also think, like, isn't there something to do with thyme and the fae? Is anyone fae-y listening? Because I'm pretty sure like, you can leave time to like attract fae. There are up to 400 different species of thyme, including different culinary flavor thymes, such as lemon thyme, and decorative species such as creeping thyme. Thyme grows in many regions around the world, but prefers dry, rocky soil. And it is cultivated commercially in Europe, especially Hungary, Turkey, and Germany. So time. We'll be talking about it this week. All right. Moving into some headlines. This comes to us from KansasReflector.com. Kansas officials lift ban on a shop selling Wicca items. But questions about prison mail remain. Ooh. And this was written by Max McCoy. Maybe it was magic. Two weeks ago, I brought you the story of how mail from an unconventional Topeka ministry in a shop associated with it had been censored in Kansas prisons. Now the ban on correspondence from the business, the Enchanted Willow on Southwest Gage Boulevard, has been lifted by officials at the Kansas Department of Corrections. In a letter to the shop, the K-Doc said its correspondence appeared to have been inadvertently censored. After speaking with the chaplain, the censors were rescinded and letters were delivered to the residents. Corrections manager Darcy wrote Deborah Jackson, an associate sales partner at the Enchanted Willow, which sells New Age and Wiccan supplies. Quote, we apologize for the oversight by our staff and wish to ensure you that the corrective measures have been taken. We appreciate hearing from you in regard to this matter and being given the opportunity to correct a grievance. Uh, When asked recently to confirm the ban on the shop had been lifted, the K-Doc had no comment other than to refer me to a short statement the department had issued in response to the original inquiry. So, yeah. Despite having operated his ministry for 20 years and having corresponded with prisoners across the United States, this summer Miller began receiving notices from the Kansas Department of Corrections that his mail was being censored. After protesting the ban, k told Miller that he and his ministry were considered a threat to institutional safety, order, and security. While the ban on correspondences from Enchanted Willow had been lifted, the censorship of, Mil- of Miller and Moonshadow Coven appears to remain in effect. The KDOC has declined to provide additional details or explain why Miller and his ministry were considered a threat to Kansas prisons. I don't know why KDOC was so quick to censor prisoner mail and is so slow in providing answers, but I suspect it has to do with officials attempting to not to fall on the slippery slope of unequal treatment. How much easier it must be to ban a widely misunderstood religion like Wicca, a pagan earth-centered practice that has approximately zero influence in state politics, as opposed to an evangelical Christian ministry. Wow, that's really fascinating. Um, this is actually something I've dealt with. So I do receive letters from prisoners, um, very often asking for free magazines. And so typically what I do is, uh, if I come across a magazine that I don't feel like I can sell, maybe the cover is bent or there's some damage, I'll typically put it aside in an envelope. And then when I get a letter from a prisoner, I will send them the magazines. And very often I have, honestly, I feel like it never gets there. (laughs) I feel like the magazines never actually get to the to the uh, corrections people correctly. Um, but I still do it. So I still get letters, I would say maybe a few times a year, and I do my best to uh, fulfill those requests. But I can say from someone who also tries to send that material uh, that I do feel like it doesn't actually get there. All right, witches. Witches. I am throwing this over to our Moon correspondent, and after this break,
2: we will talk more. Hello to all of my Astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Monday, January twenty ninth The waning gibbous moon continues to fine-tune in Virgo today. Here, the Moon opposes Neptune. This can be a rather disconcerting aspect. Neptune has the habit of clouding things up. The moon in Virgo likes to be discerning for there to be a hard line around what's real and what's imagined. Neptune is in the sign that it rules, so it has quite an easy time scrambling the line between reality and imagination. We're having a hard time defining that line for ourselves today. Take your time with this one. Try not to jump to conclusions about situations or people during this time. If you can keep your patience, you'll be able to protect your peace. Your daily moon mantra is, If it costs you your peace, then it's too expensive. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny.
1: Revolution of a Witch is a prompt journal made for witches by witches. Do you believe in good versus evil? What three items would be used to summon you? Who has been the most impactful person in your practice? These questions are meant to not only help you think about life from new perspectives, but to elevate your magic as well. Whether you want to write your responses and move on, or use this journal as a jumping off point for future conversations with friends, Evolution of a Witch is a judgment free space for you to share your thoughts and ideas. Evolution of a Witch by best selling author Tanya Brown is available for order online at your local bookshop or wherever books are sold. All right, we are back. So, we are talking about M Bulk this week. And M Bulk is on February 1st. So, I'm hoping to give you a bunch of information so that by February 1st, you feel empowered to celebrate the best way you feel appropriate. So, what is M Bulk? So, M Bulk, as we know, is a part of the neo pagan wheel of the year. I always like to remind people that the wheel of the year is modern. Uh, These holidays are meant to reflect what people would have been experiencing in Celtic regions around this time of year and help give us gratitude, mindfulness, and reverence. So what is Imbolc? And this is according to History.com, which I always love. I always feel like History.com has like a reputation to uphold. So I'm always like, this is probably good information. So Imbolc is a pagan holiday celebrated from February 1st through sundown February 2nd, based on a Celtic tradition. Imbolc was meant to mark the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox in Neolithic Ireland and Scotland. The holiday is celebrated by Wiccans and other practitioners of neo-pagan or pagan-influenced religions. Imbolc is just one of several pre-Christian holidays, highlighting some aspect of winter and sunlight, and heralding the change of the seasons. The celebration of Imbolc dates back to pre-Christian era in the British Isles. The earliest mentions of Imbolc in Irish literature were found in the 10th century. Poetry from that time relates the holiday to use milk, with the implication of purification. It's been speculated that this ritual stems from the breeding cycle of sheep and the beginning of lactation. The holiday was traditionally aligned with the first day of spring and the idea of rebirth. So, Imbolc celebrations took the form of a festival in honor of the pagan goddess Brigid, who was evoked in fertility blessings and oversaw poetry, crafts, and prophecy. Brigid was worshipped by the Philid, a class of poets and historians among the Celts of ancient Ireland and Britain. Brigid was considered one of the most powerful Celtic gods, the daughter of the Dagda, the oldest god in the uh, Celtic pantheon, Tuatha-Dudanan. So if you remember, we talked about this, I think, last week, where we talked about um the goddess who is meant to be like the mother of gods, like she is life. Bridget is her daughter, Danu. So remember, it was Danu. So Bridget is Danu's daughter. So she has two sisters, also named Bridget. So it's speculated that these sisters are meant to symbolize different aspects of the same goddess. Um, you may not know this, but uh, Marie Laveau actually named her do- both her daughters Marie. So maybe Bridget, maybe they are, maybe they are, I'll just name Bridget. So Bridget appears in the saga, Cath Mage, Tirad, and Labour, Gabala, Erin, a purported history of Ireland collected from various poems and texts in the 10th century. Myths about Bridget's birth say she was born with a flame in her head and drank the milk of a mystical cow from the spirit world. Bridget is credited with the very first keening, traditional wailing for dead, practiced at funerals by Irish and Scottish women. Don't they also practice keening in, um, I think, Korea, in Korean societies? I'm going to Google this real quick. Korean funeral wailing. I feel like I did not make this up. Yes, so this is actually also, so the idea of funeral wailing is, I mean, I don't know if they call it keening, but it's definitely not just an Irish and Scottish, but Korean, traditional Korean funerals as well. So in the traditional Korean funeral, um, female family family members must be continuing to weep and demonstrate their grief. People believe this performance proves the importance and value of the deceased However, it says men are not allowed to cry at the funeral and are required to control their emotions. But I am pretty sure um, that is not true if it's like a political figure. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Um, very interesting. You can definitely like Google it and like learn more, but um yeah, so it's definitely just not Irish and Scottish. People who have this tradition of kind of this performative wailing at funerals. Now, in pre-Christian times, Imbolc ob- uh, observance began the night before February 1st, and celebrants prepared for a visit from Bridget into their homes by crafting, crafting an effigy of the goddess from bundles of oats and rushes. The effigy was placed in a dress and put in a basket overnight. The day of Imbolc was celebrated by rituals, including burning lamps and lighting bonfires in tribute to Bridget. Now, how did Bridget become St. Bridget in Catholicism? That's a great question. I didn't know about that until I met a Catholic and they were talking about St. Bridget. And I was like, you guys know about that too? Yes. So apparently Over the centuries, Bridget was adopted into Christianity as Saint Bridget. One of Ireland's three patron saints, the Catholic Church, claims Saint Bridget was a historical person, with accounts of her life written by monks dating back to the 8th century. Bridget, or Bridget, is the patron saint of Irish nuns, newborns, midwives, dairymaids, and cattle. Whether or not she existed, these stories contain aspects in common with the details of pagan goddess and illustrate the transition from pagan to Christian worship. So you'll actually see this with a lot of saints. Saint Nicholas, for example. Um, When it comes to saints, it's real messy between lore and like fact. Uh, So this is a really interesting example of that as well. Like the goddess Bridget, St. Bridget is associated with milk and fire. Born in Ireland around 453 AD, St. Bridget was the daughter of a slave and a chieftain who was celebrated at an early age for her agricultural knowledge. With no interest in marrying, Bridget's goal was to create a monastery in Kildare, supposedly the former site of a shrine to the Celtic goddess of the same name. Bridget lived her entire life there. She was renowned for her charity to the poor, and stories abound of her healing powers. St. Bridget was also a friend of St. Patrick, whose preaching set her on a course at an early age, and she became Ireland's first nun. St. Bridget is said to have died in 524 AD. The remains of her skull and hand are claimed to be in the possession of the churches uh, in Portugal. In the 12th century, legend holds that the nuns of Kildare attended to a fire built in St. Bridget's honor. The fire had burned for 500 years and produced no ash. Only women were allowed in proximity of the fire. The celebration of St. Bridget's Day on February 1st put in place by the church to replace Bulk. On her feast day, an effigy of St. Bridget of Kildare is traditionally washed in the ocean and surrounded by candles to dry, and stalks of wheat are transformed into cross talismans known as Bridget crosses. The modern celebration of Imbolc is considered a low-key, loose, and sometimes private affair concerned with reconnecting with nature. Since it's a climate-specific holiday, some followers of the Wiccan religion adjust their celebration of it to correspond with a date more appropriate to the coming of spring wherever they live. Others embrace the symbolism of the holiday and just keep it to February 1st. The goddess Bridget is central to the celebration for modern Wiccans. In the, tra- in the tradition of the original Celtic festival, Wiccan groups that worship Bridget might include fire rituals on Imbolc. Traditions from both pagan celebration of Imbolc and the Christian celebration of St. Bridget's Day can be found in modern Imbolc celebrations. Celebrants often will make a Bridget's cross, a Bridget corn dolly, or like a traditional effigy. Now, Candlemas is a Christian holiday celebrated on February 2nd that is also. Common with bulk. It's a celebration that can be traced to 4th century Greece as a purification holiday and a celebration of the return of light after winter's darkness. Candles have traditionally been used in observance. It's possible that Candlemas is a Christian adaptation, the Roman holiday of a purification and cleansing celebration. Now, February 2nd is also Groundhog's Day. February 2nd is just like lit. Uh, and, of course, we know Groundhog's Day um, is basically about Punk's Gatani Phil, and whether he sees his shadow will determine if there's uh, more winter. Anyways, witches, I hope that was fascinating. I hope you enjoyed kind of these connections between, like, St. Bridget's Day and M. Uh This week we'll be talking about celebrations, solo celebrations, group celebrations, and we'll also hear from you about how you celebrate. So, yay. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to Bia Frias. Bia, you earthy celestial Loch Ness monster. Pat J, you poetic, thoughtful Kraken. Jess Jensen, you pretty, glorious Banshee. And Alina, you innocent, talented butterfly. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And our card today is triggered from the Roast Iconic Oracle. Let's see. And you know, my biggest gripe with this deck is there's there's no table of contents. There's no number, like, there's absolutely no way to figure out where the card meaning is in the book. And you just have to awkwardly flip until you find it um another reason why i enjoy doing these card pulls someone on the facebook asked why i do a different deck and if it's meaningful to like the path of a witch and i just shared that really it was just so that we could have something fun and new every day um you know it exposes you guys to multiple decks but also so you can kind of hear like my experience right um i've had decks where it was hard to read what it said or decks where um like this one where there's no table of contents and it's awkward to find the card so it's also like a mini review all right triggered you've ignored your wounds and issues for too long time to seek help or support before you continue the cycle of pain and shame by projecting it onto
2: others
1: all right which is That's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we referenced today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow.
0: Bye. Witches. We hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence.